0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 193rd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 648th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 5th, 2020. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Well, for this week's Banner Moment, I'm going to talk about the election, not the entirety of the election, but more uh, some of the images that came out on uh, of IU players voting uh, that we saw this week uh, in college basketball, really giving uh, all teams, you know, having them that, have that day off so they could vote. So it started out with India Franklin tweeting out a picture of her and Armand uh, after he had voted for the first time. The IU account tweeted out uh, a, a picture of Armand as well, along with Anthony Leal, Nathan Childress and Joey Brunk. All having voted, uh, and perhaps the one that Coach will like the most is Mike Roberts tweeted out a picture where he was sixth in line, got to the got to the, his polling location at five thirty-five a.m. Uh, so you got to get up pretty early in the morning to beat Coach Roberts at voting. But I think uh, while there are a ton of things uh, that we'll look back on from this year. Uh, not finally at all. I think one thing that the you know this week has really proven as the voter turnout numbers come out, and just as how involved people have gotten, uh, both young people uh, like in the IU basketball program, uh, but but people of all ages really getting more involved and using their vote, not letting that chance to have their voice heard uh, slide by. And it's it's been a good opportunity even for me to like you know sit down with my kids as we were filling out our ballots and say, hey. You know, this is, you know, you researching candidates. Here's what, you know, here's things that you might look for and, and things like that. So I think the just overall interest in voting in the democratic process, uh, is really good. I, I like that. IU highlighted, uh, these guys getting out and doing that. And it was great to see, uh, them being involved And hopefully as you get this generation of first time voters now, like they always remember this and it doesn't become a situation where, you know, years lapse in their first time voting when they're 30 years old or whatever, that this becomes just a part of their, uh, their process a part of, of who they are, and uh, I think it was exciting to see that. Glad to see that IU uh, spotlighted that for them uh, as well. So uh, kudos to all those guys, and uh, and now we can kind of continue to turn our, our view a bit to the basketball season. So with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left.
1: He remembers
2: the days when a movie cost a dollar, your collar play hard but remember fake hustle is a crime he's the coach and it's Tonsoni time
0: it's the coach brian tansoni coach what's on your mind this week
1: well, I, I'm probably going to stick to basketball, uh, just because I'm really excited about basketball getting started, and and we know that there's all kinds of different scheduling things. But a couple highlights for me, it seems like so far there hasn't been any bumps in Indiana scheduling from its a uh, a couple of bye game situations that you're hearing about, including the, the one on November 25th to the ACC uh, Big Ten Challenge. Uh, I think so far it, it looks like Indiana has a chance, and I know it's day by day, but that, that excites me that uh, the games are, are relatively close to playing. You get to see some pictures, and I, I know the I, I'm not a big guy on, on workout pictures and that, but you see them in the gym, that, that's, that's quite exciting. And not to rain on the shot doctor himself, but there's an interesting uh, picture of three guys shooting, and they all have some unique positions of their hands and where the ball is in their shot. Uh, and as long as it goes in, you don't mess with it. Uh, but if it, it doesn't go in, you got to break it down, but th- they all uh, look like they have some unique, uh, positioning of their hands on, on, on the shot. And then I've taken a couple weeks off from a uh, coach's corner in the community, but I will let everyone know that I'm studying the uh, pick and roll, uh, varieties to see what Indiana might add to their offense, uh, and look for in the next week or two, some starting some breakdown of, uh, things that, uh, Look for early on in the season from Indiana's offense. So for me, it's basketball, basketball, basketball. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I, I start practice myself on Monday and uh, looking forward to it.
0: All right, that sounds great. And to my right,
1: analyzing
2: players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me to- quickly add just one thing about this. The dude just interrupted his own
0: jingle. <laughs> He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant on the last weekend? Uh, the 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 runchy here specifically says IU sports. Perhaps that's trying to protect you from yourself. Uh, I'll I'll leave it to you to how you want to <laughs> handle that.
2: Uh, I feel like it, so I am going to talk about the election. It's not a political statement. I I, I think that it, this feels like when you eat like a way too much cake. And then you don't want to look at cake for like six years. In our case, probably four years. That's how I feel right now. I just feel like it's been too, I'm just tired of it. And I don't want to look at it anymore. I just want it to be over Uh, because it's been really hard to focus on sports. That's my day job is sports. And over the last, last three days, nobody cares about sports over the last three days. We'll write, we've been writing some great content and it's just, nobody's looking at it. You know, um, I, I just, so I, I would just say that I, I think that this is, completely captured our world over the last few days. And I think everybody in America is glued to it. I mean, for the most part, uh, what I will say is to, I just want to say to all our listeners that I, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. I've been following along on, on Twitter, uh, with a lot of the people that are regulars and stuff. And, and you guys are so great. And, and regardless of who you voted for where your feelings are, whatever, I just, I just want to let you guys know that, that we love you and, and, uh, this will pass and we'll get to talk about basketball in a real serious way pretty soon. And, and we're going to do that tonight. But, um, you know, despite everything going on in the world, I, I just, I'm, I'm constantly awed by the people who listen to this show and contribute to it. And, uh, yeah, we just, we love you guys. And, and, uh, it's a great escape to come on here every week, no matter what's going on in the world and get to get to talk about sports with, with three of my friends and tonight, two of them, but you know, you know, three of my friends and, um, who have become like family and and get to in, engage with with you guys who have become like an extended family. So that's that's my election rant is just I'm so ready to be doing this again. And and it really is making me happy that that I get to do this tonight.
0: Definitely, a definitely a welcome break from things. So this week uh, we are going to talk about a, a handful of Hoosier Headlines. Uh, we'll talk about what we can learn from the preseason computer rankings. Ken Palm, in a what can only be described as a savage maneuver, uh, unveiled his preseason rankings right in the like in the the heart of election coverage <laughs> great, at night.
2: Great, great timing, Ken.
0: Yeah, just fantastic. Like, so
2: it was like baseball. <laughs> Baseball handing out their gold glove awards right as some states were closing the polls. Like, yeah. what are you doing?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know. So anyway, that was that uh, that was that was a good move from him. Uh, so we've got those, even a little preseason bracketology from uh, from Coach and the folks over at Delphi Bracketology. So we'll talk about that this week on Assembly Call. But before we get to all of that, I want to tell you about a new sponsor who is joining us here on the Assembly Call. It's Superior Insulation, a.k.a. Superior Insulators. Uh, and this sponsor relationship started like so many of our others have because the owner of the business... Brad is a loyal listener to the show and a longtime IU fan and season ticket holder. So with winter right around the corner, the timing is perfect to tell you about superior insulators and why you should consider giving them a call. What do superior insulators do? I do know how to say insulators just to be clear, but this is, and we'll get to this later insulators. It's I N S E A L A T O R S. So just wanted everybody to know that I am not an idiot who can't read. Uh, that's actually the name of the business Insulators. Uh, So what do they do? They provide high-performance insulation and air barrier systems to the residential, commercial, and agricultural sectors. In other words, they help you live and work more comfortably by fixing drafty rooms, cold floors, and excess noise in your home or office. And they help you save money on your energy bills in the process. Yes, more comfort and more cost savings. That's a TJD level double double right there. And just in case you're wondering about their track record, let me sum it up with one word. Excellence. That's right. The Superior Insulators did all the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy. Brad and his team also worked on the new IU football locker room, Marching 100 Hall and many other buildings on campus. So they're kind of a big deal. And best of all for you, they have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners You will get a $50 home field apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. They have four locations covering roughly the southern two-thirds of Indiana, plus the northern part of Kentucky. Just tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your gift card. So visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. Then Brad and his team can help you create a healthier, quieter, and more energy-efficient home. That's Insulators. Dot com. Again, that's I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S dot com to learn more and tell them the assembly call sent you to get your $50 home field apparel gift card. All right, guys. So who's your headlines for this week? Uh, last week, we were talking the, the impending Trey Kaufman commitment. Uh, he he did end up committing to Purdue. I think we were starting to hear about the time we did the show a week ago, some rumblings, and, and it appeared to be that things were pointed in that direction. So I think by the time the announcement came out, not really a, a huge surprise, uh, but, but Ryan, any, any quick reaction to, uh, you know, Trey going to Purdue, what that might mean for, you know, the, the dominoes of what that means for IU up next?
2: Yeah, we got a word. That, that that was probably going to happen over the last week. I know we all kind of texted about it a little bit uh, the week leading up to the to the commitment. Uh, and and look, it, it's it's a bummer to lose a, a top player from from the state of Indiana. But when you look at some of the factors in his recruitment, uh, especially if you're looking at the post-mortem of it, which some, pe- some people have written about, it looks like that was kind of the way he was leaning for a long time. He just kept things close to the vest. He had a lot of friends at IU. He had a lot of friends. You know, he he played with Logan Duncan, who's in IU's recruiting class. So I think people connected dots to him being there. But he also kind of wanted to be the man. And I think as long as Christian Lander is, is in Bloomington, he's going to lead the charge, especially after especially moving forward into the future. And so I, I think that there was some pushback there. Um, Trey made the decision he made, and, and good luck to him. Uh, it's certainly not going to be fun to play against him uh, for Indiana, but Indiana's also got other options out there. And, and I said it last week, and I made kind of a speech about it that Jared tweeted about was that one recruit is never going to make or break Indiana regardless of how much you want them one recruit is never going to break make a break Indiana Kaufman's a guy you know rated in the I think in the 30s top 30s that's a very good recruit he's not Trace Jackson Davis he's not Christian Lander he is not a game changing program changing Cody Zeller type recruit he's a very good player and it's it's not going to and, and, and it would have made life a little easier for Indiana but again other options are out there and Indiana is pursuing those very very aggressively. And I think that, you know, I would say one bad recruit or even one bad recruiting class, and I'm not saying this is going to be a bad recruiting class. I think this has a chance to be a really good recruiting class, but one bad recruit, one bad recruiting class is not going to break Indiana. And so people were really upset about it, really loud on Twitter about it, but it's one player and one player doesn't change a program, especially when there are other guys out there you can get to sort of fill in or replace them.
0: Coach, does that just uh, mean all, all chips in on Mason Miller at this point? Or uh, what, what are your kind of thoughts on where IU turns next
1: from here? Yeah, yeah I think uh, a Mason Miller seems to fit. You know, and what we've heard, it's down to Creighton in, in Indiana, and Indiana. And that would be where I would go uh, to fill that spot at 6'9", shooter, athletic. Uh, I, I think that would look good in, in what Archie Miller wants to do. And, you know, the Aminu uh, recruiting thing, who knows exactly – uh, where that at? Some people think it's it's good for IU. Some people think it's started to get lukewarm. But that would be another addition. And and the bottom line is ultimately you want guys who want to wear the the cream and crimson. And and if it comes down to you are ended up second, um, you you wish the young man well. And and. Then you uh, go try to fill fill the spot, but that's that's what you you have to do. And you know uh, I start getting concerned with these guys when they commit to IU, and then I want to study them and, and learn because once you make a commitment, then you kind of want to be there, and and that's when these guys really become important. And just so much information out there before they commit that we all know. And you know, uh, not much attention is going to be paid here on on DJ Carton at Marquette and the Garcia kid at Marquette uh, and unless they really blow up but those were a couple misses too and sometimes when you miss you're disappointed and it, it doesn't turn out to be bad and sometimes the guy uh, becomes an all-American and you, and you wish you had him but recruiting's a tough business and, and just when if you lose someone doesn't mean that you're not doing your job as a coach um, you're doing your job you're not doing your job as a coach if you're not even in the ball game so um, tough tough decision but uh, it's time to to go forward and the team that's on the floor is the 11 guys that are practicing right now.
0: Yep. And the other two uh, announcements, I guess you could say, this week. So uh, IU did announce their opening game uh, on opening night of the season on November 25th will come against Tennessee Tech from the Ohio Valley. Uh, In any of the preseason polls, publications, anything I've seen, they're picked toward the bottom uh, somewhere around 9th, 10th, 11th in the OVC. Ken Palm has them at 312th. Torvik somewhere in the 230s uh, as of at least a couple days ago. And then CBS and their uh, kind of non-analytics-based uh, rankings that have come out over the last few days had them at 320. So feels like the definition of a buy game, uh, even though that buy games are going to look a little bit different this year, there and then uh, today, uh, Trace Jackson Davis was on the Carl Malone watch list, preseason watch list for the top forward in the country. So was one of 20 players uh, on that list. I uh, good to see him get those early, uh, early accolades. Uh, I will not ask either of you for a, a preliminary scouting report on Tennessee Tech by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, Ryan just kind of feels like a good in, in a season where you're not going to have too many gimmies. Uh, it feels like a gimme and, and in that regard, a good way to start off the season. And nobody's going to complain about a sub 300 team at this point, because you know that, you know, 25 of the 27 games are going to be against high major competition at this point. So is that pretty much all you, yeah, you be read nice. into the opponent? It'll,
2: yeah, it'll be nice to get a layup in there. Uh, I think um, it's because, yeah, as we've said, it's going to be a bloodbath in the big 10 as it always is. And, you know, you want to rack up a win, but you also want to get guys comfortable playing each playing with each other, and you want to get your rotations down, and you want to get all these things. You just get guys comfortable being on the floor. You got to get that out of the way, and so sometimes you do need a cupcake here and there. So I think it's I think it's good, and you know at least there's going to be a basketball game. You know what I mean? And and you're not going to have to wait until conference season to to sort of do that.
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. Um, go ahead, coach. I just think you need to get a couple games where you can go and get stuff on film and, and study film, and, and usually when you have 11 uh, non-conference games, you're somewhere in the five or six uh, of these kind of games where you should win uh, and you schedule a variety of teams, and this year it's going to be really tough. Like you said, 25 teams, uh, one or two games where, where you should have it a little bit easier uh, is going to be needed.
0: Yeah, I would imagine as they uh, you know work this out, the the only other game there's probably one other game they can schedule that we don't know about right now. It'll be another opponent similar to this in my view. And then your other five non-conference games will get filled up with uh, the, the Maui slash Asheville invitational, the, uh, the crossroads game against Butler and then the big 10 ACC game against Florida state plus your 20 big 10 game. So uh, that's what it looks like. Just kind of a question of what the, what the dates are for, for some of those and who you get to fill that other by game spot. But uh, at least it's starting to come into view. And I I have not seen anything about when the big 10, uh, plans to announce our schedule but I think some other leagues have started to do that so uh, I think the SEC is is tomorrow on Friday so perhaps it will be soon uh, certainly a lot of moving pieces as we go through that but uh, that will uh, do it for the headlines this week and so when we come back uh, we've got the official release of Ken Palm's preseason projections and a couple sets of computer rankings to digest we discuss what if anything you learn about IU and the Big Ten stick with us here on the Assembly Call.
1: hi this is AJ Moyer. what's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the sweet 16 celebrating it with friends afterwards join Jared Andy Ryan and coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game go Hoosiers
0: All right. Thanks, AJ, and welcome back to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com, and if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and... Uh, as, I, as I mentioned in the opening, Ken Palm decided to drop his uh, preseason rankings right in the midst of election night coverage, so uh, led to some, some humorous college basketball tweets for sure, but the Big Ten is well represented uh, toward the top of the rankings. Uh, just to go through a few of these, you've got Wisconsin at seven. Ohio State at number 10, which is a little bit odd. Uh, Iowa at 12, Michigan State 15, Michigan 17, Illinois 18, Purdue 25, IU 26, and Rutgers 27. Uh, so that's nine of the top 27 teams in the preseason rankings uh, for uh, for the Big Ten. Even, he even had Minnesota uh, 35th there as well. So really solid numbers there. Um, you've got then the, uh, the CBS – uh Matt Norlander's 1 to 357 uh, rankings uh was a similar story. IU came in at 25 there uh right after Ohio State and Rutgers um And you also had kind of the the consensus top four of Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, all in the top thirteen. So, you know, again, you look at those nine of the top twenty-seven in Ken Palm, seven of the top twenty-five on CBS, and ten in the top forty. Torvik is a pretty similar story uh, at this point, where I think there is you know six, seven, eight teams in the top thirty-five or so. So. So, coach, as you look at those numbers, uh, it, it certainly makes the the scheduling stuff we talked about with playing that many games against Big Ten competition uh, and how good the league is. It, you know, what what are your main takeaways from, you know, what if anything we can we can glean from these preseason numbers?
1: Well, I think Indiana's at a, at a a place where they probably should be in the mid twenties. Uh, you know, Andy Katz had them at seventeen, but uh, when when you break it down, I think that's where Indiana should be, and and it's really uh, an improvement in the in the four years. I, you know, there's there's no excuse. We all wanted this uh, change of coaching. Uh, staff and program build to go faster, and and maybe it should have gone faster with wins on a court and and some of those things. But uh, this basketball program under Archie Miller has gotten better on on Ken Palm for the last three years offensively and defensively while the Big Ten was getting more competitive. And as you just mentioned, you just listed uh, all those teams in the top 30 uh, if you're getting better, in the conference, the conference was fifth in Ken Palm in our in Archie's first year, and it was uh, ended up being first last year. Uh, and again, everyone's talking about how great the Big Ten's going to be this year, so it's really really tough. And I, and I think the the improvements need to be in in Big Ten play, uh, where it's been a little tough sledding uh, for for Indiana in in a statistical way. But for me, I think Ken Palm has. Uh, you know, I would maybe argue that they, they probably need to be ahead of Purdue. I think teams like Purdue and Ohio State, for some reason, get a little boost uh, because of some past numbers. Uh, and Ken Palm uses past numbers to to get the season started, and it takes a month or so before they're really reflective of the year. Um, but that would probably be my only only situation with uh, where Indiana is on on Ken Palm. But they're they're really close all, all the way, and. Please remember, and Andy, you know this too, that I didn't know this until I started doing bracketology. If if you're 24, 25, you're a six or seven team. So if you're a top 25 team, you, you know, you get a six or seven seed. We usually think that's not a good seed, but you could be a top ranked team and get a six or seven seed. So we got to keep that in mind as well.
0: Yeah, R- Ryan. So as you, you look at these, um, what, what stands out to you? You look at, you're ready to say something. So what, uh, what stands out to you when you review these rankings?
2: What stands out to me is that the Big Ten is going to be really good. That ten teams in the top thirty-five. I mean, that's crazy. Nine in the top twenty-seven, and and Indiana is eighth in the Big Ten and twenty-sixth out of the top twenty-five. I mean, that just tells you that is a crazy deep conference, and and it's not. It, it doesn't look like there's an elite, 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 elite team. There's not a number one, a two, a three, or a four. It's seven through twenty-six. That is you know and there's a lot of teams in there so it's really good teams but typically teams on the edge of the top 10 are going to lose games during a season to teams that fall in that 20 to 30 range you know they're vulnerable so that that tells me there's not a huge gap either between these teams i mean there's a lot packed in there but there's no team that is ranked number 1 and there's no team that is expected to have only one or two losses That's a lot of teams right in that pack that is competitive. And when you're in that range with those teams, you're competitive. Indiana, on the bottom of that range I'm discussing, can beat the teams above it. You know, they're not that far off. If these rankings are wind up being reflective of what the season looks like. I also think that, you know, the numbers for Indiana look pretty good as far as offense-defense. And you see the improvement there that is expected offensively and defensively from, again, we're getting, you know, these are all projections, but Indiana's defense, 17th offense up to 40th. Those are the kinds of things you want to continue to see from Archie Miller's program. They've improved pretty much every year in those metrics. And if they continue to improve, Indiana is going to continue to climb in its ability to compete in the big 10. You'd like to have that jump be a little faster, a little higher, a little more impressive, but they continue to get better gradually. And, really that's what you want every year is for each year to be better than the one before it. Again, you'd love them to take a jump, but when you see improvement in a program, it's impressive.
0: Yeah. It's interesting when you look at league, uh, league rankings, the big 12 has five teams in the top 10, um, which you know, I think Texas in, in a lot of cases is there because they've got so much returning. They added a really good recruit. Um, but I, I don't know how feasible that is, but I think the Big Ten, you know, Ryan, you you hit on this a little bit. Uh, while the, while they may not have a ton of teams that are right at the top top, you know, maybe top eight type type teams. There's you know this cluster of four teams toward the the top of the league that we've talked about for a while. Every ranking set seems to have Iowa, Illinois, Michigan State, Wisconsin in some order as your top four. Uh, and then, and then you don't have a huge drop off, and you've got another cluster of teams. It's kind of the IU, Rutgers, Ohio State, you know, Purdue, Michigan uh, type group there. Where, and these are the teams that are clustered pretty well in these computer rankings. So I do think you know, a, a small, you know, small improvements one way or another can really dictate that. So I think that's kind of what it tells me about the Big Ten is you've got a really closely packed competitive league that may not have the top end. Uh, teams that that some other leagues have but is going to be incredibly competitive in a in a truly odd season Um, the other thing Ryan that you you mentioned was uh, kind of where it projects IU on offense and defense and and so the offense last year finished 65th they're projected to be 40th this year the defense finished 26th and is projected at 17th so Coach, what are your thoughts on which one of those jumps is most likely to come to fruition, and and why do you you know push your your chips toward the offense or the defensive side?
1: You know, uh, the the quick answer would say defense because the system's been in play for three years, but you are losing a guy in Justin Smith who was predominantly a defensive player, so. Is that going to jump from 26th to 17th? And then the, the margin there is you're a good defensive team if you're 26th. Uh, 17th is on a borderline getting to be real solid. Uh, there's not a whole lot of area to improve where there's a lot more area to improve offensively, especially with shooting. Uh, and, and yet we we can see the impact of an athletic race, Thompson finding his role and, and Christian Lander and freeing up some other guys to do some things. So um, I think they're better – defensively and and that's that's it takes you know just the heart and the mind to play defense it takes some skill and some developed skill to play offense but uh I'm gonna probably lean a little bit more towards offense cuz I think they're going to take a bigger jump than they have in the previous years where they've gone from 92 to 82 to 65 uh, this would be a 25-point jump if they do hit the 40 projection. But but I'm going to say that uh, I think with with more guard-oriented, ball-screen-oriented, using the athletes, uh, I think they might jump a little bit higher offensively than they do defensively this year. And maybe I that's just me hoping.
2: I think they're going to run more, too, which will make you more right. efficient offensively. I mean, if you're getting easy baskets in transition, that will show up. And, and part of the problem with Indiana in the last few years is there was a lot of half-court offense. And a lot of half-court offense, when you don't have shooters and you're passing the ball around the perimeter a lot, winds up not being very efficient. And and so, obviously, that ticked up with Trace Jackson Davis on the inside last year. And that, that ticked up once Al Durham started driving, getting the free-throw line more. And that ticked up when you started to see some progression from these other guys around the basket. But if they're running and not turning the ball over, I think that is going to be where they take that next step. I think that's going to be the biggest... Source. And then, of course, shooting. I mean, do they shoot better? If you shoot better, your efficiency goes way up because you're getting three points instead of two for one shot. And, and, and I know that's simple math for most people. I'm a journalism major. Nothing is simple math for me, but I know that one. If you're taking a shot and it's worth three versus two and you make it, it's a lot more efficient and that takes up efficiency. And when you look at effic- offensive efficiency rankings in the NBA and college basketball, a lot of the teams that shoot well from beyond get a huge boost and are often in that top sector.
0: Yeah, I think the the offensive piece is, probably has a lot to do with with personnel. I mean, you look at the numbers from last year. Devonte had the highest usage rate on the team at twenty seven percent of possessions, uh, and and he was you know ninety eight offensive rating, which is you know anything below hundred you don't feel great about. Um, and, and so you you take away a guy who was not particularly efficient, who was using a lot of possessions the belief has to be that those get redistributed to to people who are more efficient in that Um, now remains to be seen, whether that's true. You you can't just pick up all of those and give them to trace who was, who was ultra efficient last year. But um, I I think a lot of the offensive improvement is baked into that part of things uh, as well. To me, I think that even though a 25, you know, spot jump feels really, it, it feels pretty big there. That, for some reason still feels the most um, doable t- to me of the two, even though I think you could see defensive improvement, but I don't know that you're going to see substantial defensive improvement. Again, if it's, unless it's just being in the system more and, and getting a little bit, but uh, I think you, I they have better athletes
2: too. You know, yeah. I mean they're, they're deeper rotation players will be better athletes, which tends to help your defense.
0: Yeah. So And, probably,
2: and, and let's face it, Joey Brunk might not be starting. And I think a lot of their, oh. their efficiency defects there were him guarding out on the perimeter. I think that was pretty easy. A couple other guys too, but but he really struggled out on the perimeter, and it was a spot that opposing offenses attacked consistently. We saw it. How many games do we come on here and talk about that?
1: Well, and The I thing think, that gives us hope... Uh, go ahead.
0: No, you're good. Go ahead.
1: The, the thing that gives me hope too is like last year uh, with... with Devonte and Justin they were streaky when when they were good offensively we played well uh but when they didn't they had really bad games and and so did the Indiana offense and that had to affect the overall numbers the hope has to be you got sophomore TJD he's improved you got some athletes that hopefully there is some margin where they've improved from last year and can play a little more consistently and the depth of, uh, allows that too that if someone's struggling you can go go uh, a different way i don't know if you're going to see as many inconsistent players. If you do, we're going to struggle offensively. It's not going to be a good year, but hopefully there can be some less streaky type offensive players, which would lead to a better Ken Palm numbers.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good point. You know, Justin was the other, Devante is the, the obvious personnel change. You know, Justin wasn't necessarily inefficient. He was a 105 offensive rating on a, a reasonable, you know, 18% of possession. So uh, you know, reasonably efficient player. But I, I think again, if the belief is you're replacing him with somebody who's going to allow you to space the floor a little bit better, uh, open up driving lanes, do some different things when you were playing him before he just, you know, people would play off of him, stand in the middle of the lane when he was on the perimeter and and basically dare him to take shots. So I I think there's some inherent efficiency to be gained on the offensive end, uh, with, with him being gone as well. In addition to the, the streakiness coach that you, uh, that you had mentioned. So, uh, you know, to me, I'll say the offense can, can take a leap. Uh, that, that obviously remains to be seen, but, um, but I guess good to see that that projected at least as uh, as a possibility. So, uh, other thing I wanted to get to was a, a little bit of early bracketology. I've started to look at things but I'm not as, as deep into it yet as the, uh, as the folks at Delphi bracketology are, so, coach, I saw on Twitter that you guys had some of your initial meetings and released uh, the top four seeds in each of your regions. So, the Big Ten teams included. For uh, anybody wondering, you guys had Illinois as a one seed, uh, Iowa as a two seed, Wisconsin as a three seed, Michigan State as a four seed. So, uh, you know, what was some of the discussion like for you know for those teams uh, as you look at what the season uh, may may bring for those uh, those consensus top four in the league.
1: You know, uh, the interesting thing is we're a committee, so so we had uh, seven people on a Zoom meeting you know, Monday and talking and voting in the chat, and, and it did come down to votes sometimes. Uh, I, I think he, Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin probably might be a little high, actually, for my liking, um, but I don't think they're too far off. Uh, you, you see a lot of love for Illinois and Iowa. I kind of pushed the group to not use Iowa as a number one seed. Cause I don't think they can garden. I don't like Fran McCaffrey. So uh, anything that I runs not going to have them a number one seed. That's, that's totally bad bias on a part of a, a bracketologist, but, um, it's preseason and that's not what counts. So, uh, uh, yeah, there was a discussion between Iowa and Illinois for the best team in in the Big Ten, and both got both teams are returning a lot of players. That's where that that comes from, and you could add Wisconsin into that mix too. the The Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin seeds reflect returning players. Um, Illinois. Um, to me, is the most consistent with its returners. Iowa has returning players that don't guard. Wisconsin has, you know, just good team chemistry, but I think you can beat a Wisconsin if you play well and have really good athletes who are on their game. So I think they're most vulnerable to not repeat what they did last year. And then Michigan State got it probably just because of the respect of Izzo and the fact that they always find a way 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 to win. So uh, I think they might be one seed line higher uh, except for Michigan State, maybe Wisconsin should be a four, and Iowa a three, and Illinois a two. I think that's probably going to – when they start beating up on each other. That's that's more likely to happen uh, than what we have preseason.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I like I said in, in starting to look at it myself, I was a little bit surprised to see Illinois on the one line, but I I think you could get a, a two seed and a couple threes out of out of the league in total. Uh, how that shakes out, who that is, uh, is tough to say. But again, if the league is as 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 tough and as as good as everybody expects it to be um, nobody's probably going to run away with the league which ultimately hurts your chances to get a a top seed Um, but I think you're going to also have a chance to pick up a ton of quality wins and and it'll be a little bit like last year where virtually every night out you've got a chance to get a a quality win in there Um, so the the next part of this is just kind of looking at the next tiers and whatever else uh, you you might think of you know, it feels like IU, Ohio State, Rutgers, based on most projections, whether they be computer-based or otherwise, seem likely teams to, to be in the field if people were projecting that early. And then you've kind of got Michigan. Uh, they did get uh, the, the Wake Forest transfer eligible, so that helps them. Uh, a decent amount, maybe that vaults them into the the likely in the field uh, category, and then Purdue, maybe Minnesota, uh, even Norlander was a little bit higher on Maryland than, than most people think. Do do you have any kind of feel for, or have you guys started to talk through uh, other teams and a general feel for the 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 league and how many teams they might get? So if I put the over under at, I'm going to say I'm going to say eight and a half, so that you don't you aren't compelled to push. Um, <laughs> where where would you uh, where would you fall on that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because our main discussion is how are we going to decide this year in a normal year, you have this net ranking that the NCA uses. They also look at things like Ken Palm and Torvik to help break uh, ties or move teams up and down. And, and, uh, and most years we've done all right. The last full year we had a, had a tough year in using that formula uh, to, to pick. So um, we kind of had a rhythm of picking teams. If we, had that and full non-conference, 31 non-conference games, it is our belief that the Big Ten would probably go over that eight and a half at nine to ten. I think it's going to be more eye test, and I think the record and the conference records, unfortunately, are going to play, and that's going to hurt a Big Ten uh, because last year you had – Uh, fifth through 11th was a two game difference and fifth place record in the big 10 was 11 and nine. Uh, and then IU was 11th at nine and 11. That that's a, that's a a play at Maryland switching that around and IU moves up. You know, if there's a good year and you have seven close games and you win five out of two, you're going to move up that very easily. The way the ball bounces, uh, the, the Purdue's and the IUs who were, uh, 10th and 11th could move up. It was that bunched, And if that happens this year, isn't IU going to make it at 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten who would have made it under the net and the other things because of the quad system and the the big wins in the non-conference. So we, we think it's going to be uh, – and then teams missing games is another thing. You have 21-day COVID rules. Um, so we're talking more about slotting the best conference a certain number. So we think that it's going to be eight for the Big Ten this year. And a couple teams are going to be really good that are going to be left out because they're going to see other conferences that have a 14 and four record in the American conference. And that's going to sway, I think, people to be a little more balanced. That's at least our initial lean. So I'm going to go under. Um, I think really they deserve 10, to be honest with you, as tough as it's going to be in traditional ways.
2: So, guys, I have a question since you're the two bracketologists, obviously, two of the best uh, in the world. What happens? typically when there are a lot of top when there are, there are a lot of top teams in a conference do they wind up producing two three four seeds or do they wind up getting benefit for being in a tough conference and jumping to the one line like if Illinois loses four times five times but played an insane schedule could you see them getting a one seed four times I'm talking in conference like four times maybe five times I know this year's weird because there's no non-conference to pick up losses either but Or do you think that that's going to drag them down, but they'll get a better two seed than they would a bottom one seed? I
0: I don't know that it'll drag them down a ton. I think the challenge will be that eventually the losses do matter. I know that's something that that sounds cliche to say, but you're going to have a Gonzaga who's going to run run through the WCC. And they always schedule pretty well out of conference, and they will again this year. But they're going to put up a pretty gaudy record and going to look, by all accounts, to be a really good team. So you feel like they're going to be there. I think Villanova could potentially do something similar. The Big East is solid in the middle, but there's not a you know outside of Villanova and Creighton, there's not a lot there. They could end up with a a gaudy record. You know, does one of the Big Twelve teams really assert itself? And then you've and then who knows what happens in the ACC, whether it's Virginia or or Duke or somebody like that. So I don't know. I, I think if you were if it, if they heck if they if they went 16 and 4 15 and 5 in the Big 10 i think they would be right in the heart of the conversation for it um you know and this year in one without fans a lot of times the the travel and the proximity to where you know some of the the, the potting and where you get you get placed matters a lot i don't know if that's going to matter this year cuz a lot of times it's oh well this is a short distance they're going to bring tons of fans well if that doesn't happen um you know, It really does become about matchups in that regard as opposed to saying, hey, well, I'm the two seed, but I'm closer to home than getting shipped out west as the one seed or whatever that, that might look like. So um, that may not matter as much, but I, I don't think they'll be totally penalized. But again, I think you're going to see you don't see a ton of one seeds that rack up a, a, a large loss total. Um but this year is gonna be different in basically every way that you can think of. So it doesn't mean that they, they couldn't, but I, I, I do think if to your your specific example they, you know, only lost four or five league games and played well outside the league. I have no idea what they've got uh they've got planned there. Then I certainly think that they that they could get a one seed.
1: Yeah, I, I think the loss of non conference games, if it happens due to quarantine or just the, the scheduling will will hurt um, the Big Ten more than losses in conference because, you know, you could lose four or five games in conference, but if you racked up some big wins and, you know, and you still have the ACC Big Ten Challenge and you still have some other things, and this is where one one thing that I think benefits IU uh, is you're playing 25 solid teams. I think you can absorb some losses because your strength of schedule. I have a feeling that strength of schedule is going to be looked upon, especially if you get five to seven non-conference games. Um, but – Also, that each team is independent and they look at the big wins. And the thing that hurts the Big Ten more is what you – don't get done in the non-conference as far as big wins. You know, Indiana made it tournament. Well, made the tournament last year because they beat Florida State, uh, and they had some some good wins. Um, they had to win in the Crossroads. Those are important to teams in a tough in a tough league. And if those are lost, um, that that could hurt uh, in a real tough competitive where Duke can play seven games, eight games against teams that don't really compete and really build up that gaudy record that Andy was talking about.
0: Well, and I think, you know, we'll wrap this up here in a second, but I I think the one thing that I've, among the things I've learned from doing bracketology is it's really hard to underestimate the importance of a league's performance in the non-conference and what that does to everything. If they perform well, it is truly the rising tide that lifts all boats. It makes every win in the league look better because your league has asserted itself. So that's why, uh, even from a selection committee perspective, you want you need to be able to evaluate what a league has done against others. And you need some of those non-conference games that may, will be certainly difficult this year, but I think that's the thing to really look for. If the big 10 can come out in whatever events it plays in the big 10 ACC challenge, all those things, if the big 10 asserts itself, well, it really sets up nicely that everything that happens from there, you kind of got everything rolling downhill. If you don't, doesn't mean you can't overcome that, but it, it like I said, it's, it's really, I can't, Underscore enough how important that really becomes for the league. So,
1: Andy, you're, you're talking like Michigan had a great start last year, one that won that uh, their MTE. Ohio State was 10 and 1 and ranked high. And so, when you beat those in conference, that, that, that elevates everyone. And so, now you beat teams like that in the conference and you get those quad one wins. And, and that really, and that might be what's missing this year. And it's going to be hard for you and I to really, and other bracketologists to really figure out because that helped us compare. Um, teams from conference to conference.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, well, coming up on our final segment, we will answer your questions. We've got a number of good ones uh, to hit, and we'll try to uh, go through as many of those as we can. Stick with us here on The Assembly Call.
3: Sticky notes, email alerts,
0: This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot, or an episode of The Assembly Call. All right, thank you, Jordan, and uh, did not pick the Jordan Halls intro on purpose, but uh, congrats to he and his wife on a new baby girl that arrived this week, I believe. Congrats. Uh, all right, uh, I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and Ryan Phillips. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU news roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Now time for our mailbag. All questions are submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can find out more about at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, Jared did put a question on Twitter this week, which he put in here, I presume because he was part of the winning uh, the winning ticket of which ticket you'd be most likely to vote for in the next election and why it was some but not all combinations of the four of us. Uh, The Tonsoni Morris ticket uh, won with nearly 30 percent of the vote, but things were relatively evenly split from there. So I think we need to
2: do a a runoff with the top three vote getters because they were all very close and bottoms Phillips. I think it has an outside shot to win it. We got 24.6% of the vote.
0: We so. did not bad. Bottoms Stansoni was was 26 and a half as well. So who knows? Uh,
2: and, and, but here's here's the message here.
1: Everybody loves Brian. Like it's just he did cuz he was he true. had the top 2. And yeah, I was kind of
2: mad. I was kind of mad. I just mad. say the
1: stuff they all want to say that don't that they don't say normally.
2: <laughs> well, and I was mad that they didn't pair me with Brian, because I knew that would lift no, any vote I got.
0: You were right? hoping to ride his coattails to the <laughs> Yes, yeah. thank you. Exactly. Reasonable. All right. No problem. So uh,
2: Philip Stansoni. That's
0: uh... all right. Let's get into the questions. We don't have a ton of time. All right. Matt submitted this one: upperclassman versus underclassman in a scrimmage. Who are you taking? So, for the purposes of this, I had to make Jerome Hunter an upperclassman, which I suppose he is based on his uh, redshirt Red status. So, so the upperclassman team would be Al, uh, Joey. Rob race and Jerome and the underclassman team would have a sub. So maybe that helps in this uh, would have TJD Armand, Anthony Leal, Trey Galloway, Christian Lander and Jordan Geronimo. So Ryan, I'll throw this one to you first. You said you love the question, thought it would be competitive. Uh, who are you taking? I would take
2: the young guys because you got trace Jackson Davis, arguably Indiana's best player. I don't think it's argument. I think He's Indiana's best player. You've got Armand Franklin, who's a bulldog defensively. You've got Christian Lander, who might be the second most talented player on the team, and eventually the most talented player on the team. And then you got the guys who can run. You got Jordan Geronimo, you've got Galloway to be a bulldog, and you've got Leal who can shoot it. I'm taking the young guys. I think it would be so much fun to actually watch this in person.
1: Coach, what about you? Uh I'll take the old guys, the experienced that they know the up and unders to get the to get the young guys out of position that have played. Uh Give me Al Durham, our captain. Uh, I think he's going to, you know, take over in this scrimmage. And, yes, I do see where the talent probably lies with you, Ryan, and, this, and the young guys. But just the the veteran presence and knowing how to step on toes to get a rebound and pinch and grab that Joey Brunk does, uh, give me the old fellas.
0: Uh, I'll take the upperclassmen too. I think, uh, you know, TJD is, is a big reason to take the uh, – to take the young guys, but I think you got, you got Joey and race to hopefully uh, work on him a little bit. So I'll, I'll take the uh, upperclassman. I won't get into it any any more than that. So we can get to a few more questions. Uh, Kathy asks, has there been any word on when the schedule will be released? Uh, No is the answer to that. As far as I've heard from a big 10 perspective uh, or from IU, any truth uh, to the rumor? We may have conference only games, uh, you know, real quick, either of you think that's realistic. I, I've heard it floated before, but everything seems to be pushing toward that not being the case. But do you think we uh, end up in a conference only situation, Ryan?
2: I I, I think they're going to do some some non-conference games. I don't know. I, I don't have anything to go on, but I feel like they're going to try some of them. I, I don't know if all of them will stick, but I feel like they going to try some of them.
1: coach what about you. Yeah, I think you'll get some. I do think teams will have a variety of numbers. Some will get a full 27. That's allowed. Some might get 22, 24, which again is going to make our job as bracketologists difficult, but it all depends on where you're traveling and what you're doing. We're seeing changes in whatever schedule we've kind of heard. We're seeing changes happen almost every day. So we're going to have to take what we get.
0: Uh, let's see. I'm going to go to Barry's question. Best big 10 basketball uniforms, not Indiana. This says past and present. We only got about a minute, so we don't need to get into both. I'll take this one first. The old, uh, Michigan state with like the script state across the front, I I think is a, is a good one from my perspective. Um, so I'll say, I'll say that one, uh, as, as a past one, at least, uh, coach, any other thoughts on this from you?
1: Uh, I, You know, I like the old script kind. It's, again, why we like home-field apparel, the old logos, that. So, you know, I I was going to say those Michigan State uniforms, too, but Illinois had some nice script uh, uh, things. And what I really like are the short pants. Uh, That's how I played, and that's how, you know, real men played in short pants. Uh, And so give me those. Um, Those are the best uniforms. Uh, of all, I am feeling
2: that's a drop that's going to be coming up.
0: Oh yeah,
1: very shortly.
0: <laughs> yeah, Ryan, fifteen uh, seconds. Any my, thoughts my for call
2: you? really quick. I loved the Fab Five era Michigan uniforms with the. And I'm going to contradict coach with the saggy pants, loose fitting. I love that as a kid. I got to stick with that.
0: All right, perfect, Ryan. I was going to interrupt you with your own drop, but I will not do that. Uh, although that would be somewhat fitting. Don't. Uh, do all right, so <laughs> that will do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then.
3: Take it from me, AJ Moyer. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the wind, and go
2: Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I'll turn this back on. We'll hit, we'll hit a couple more questions here real, uh, real quick, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Uh, let's see. This one, any chance we see Archie go small? Uh, the lineup thrown out here was TJD, Jerome, Al, Christian Lander, and Rob Finnessy. So uh, you think Definitely. we see a lot of Jerome at the four? I think everything Archie said, you're going to see some flavor of this. How much you will, I don't know, but... Uh, what he alluded to in in the comments that he's made would suggest this is definitely in the realm of possibility. You guys, you guys agree with that?
1: Oops. Yeah. Yeah, I I think Jerome's going to play some. I even think race is going to be, uh, could play in a small way a little bit more, even though he's a, a traditional post. I think you're going to see him off the bounce a little bit uh, on a pick-and-pop or pick-and-short roll, um, and, and I think he's going to start stretching the floor a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I, I think small ball uh, certain times is going to be good.
0: Uh, a lot has been said about incoming players, but among returning players, whose growth will impact this team the most? Ryan, you got a who's thought on this? I think Christian yeah. Lander. Of re, no, of returning, of returning players.
2: Retur- returning. Oh, returning. I thought I thought incoming. I'm sorry. I, no, no, no.
0: I'm yeah, the the lead-up was a lot uh, has been said about incoming players, but among returning players, who's going gotcha. to impact the team? Uh,
2: Returning, I think Jerome Hunter. I think he's his development is going to be enormous for this team because it gives him an option for scoring off the wing. And and that's one of those things where, yeah, you, you got Al Durham off the wing a bit, so he's more of a you know, more traditional guard. But I I think that Hunter's size, his length, his ability to shoot the ball, and his ability to do multiple things on the floor. We saw him post up last year a couple of times. To isolate him in post-ups against smaller players, we're going to have to guard him on the wing. Uh, And then, again, go back to his shooting ability. His ability, if he can develop. And remember, this was a guy who, when they got him, they got him in the same recruiting class as Romeo Lankford. And the thought at the time was... Langford's going to start this year and go to the NBA and then Hunter will take over that role the year after. The year after was last year and we remember what happened the year before where he was out for the entire year with a with an injury. So, he's just a year behind in his development, but the thought originally was Langford will be your wing scorer and then Hunter will take over and Hunter was, you know, as a freshman was going to play as a reserve but then take that spot. Hasn't happened yet, but that that ability, his ability, still exists. And we saw last year at times he's incredibly talented. You watch his if if you're ever bored, go watch his high school footage on YouTube. The kid can play, and if he's back to normal, if he's developed and advanced, you know, because he's been healthy for a while now, other than his tonsils, of course, (laughs) uh, then he's going to be a really good player. And I think that his development is huge for this team because it gives them another reliable scoring option other than Trace Jackson Davis.
0: Coach, what about you,
1: I I can't argue that I, Rob's development and just from a always uh, staying, health, yeah. st- st- staying healthy and adapting to the new pick and roll thing is important. But I'm going to go back to race Thompson too. I just think he has a he has a chance, and it's a big if, and we have to see it consistently on game nights, but he has a lot to bring as a four. And we said, can he stretch the floor and shoot? Can he do some of those things? So, you know, I think those three, Rob Race uh, and Jerome, returning players, if they can elevate closer, a little bit more steps towards their potential, will really benefit Um, Indiana. I guess I didn't answer the question. We went through the whole roster. But um, I think this whole roster has a lot of room to improve that some people who are predicting – aren't kind of seen, uh, and we see a little bit closer. Uh, we, we might tend to over-evaluate them a little bit from our fandom, but uh, these guys have some skill, and, and it just needs to uh, to be consistent.
0: Yeah, not to uh, further what you said by mentioning everybody on the roster, but I was going to mention Armand Franklin either way. Um, so I think yeah, you can see it, a yeah. really good, good leap from him. started to show some things toward the end of last year. You would expect a big jump from freshman to sophomore, so – I think that one's interesting, and, and to go back to what you said, listening to uh, listening to Archie on the, the AJ Guyton podcast, you know, he just talked about how together the team was and how how important that was going to be to to everybody. So I I do agree that there's probably some things that are going on, you know, just as he sees this team come together, that it's hard for people making predictions to uh, to get a read on. All right, one last question, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. I'll. I'll uh, from Bob Thompson, actually uh, inspired by AJ Guyton's new pod. What former player or players would you most want to hear on a pod? What would you want them to discuss? This is a little bit difficult because the hysterics have uh, interviewed a ton of old uh, IU players. They so it's hard to go out that hole. It's hard to go through the yeah. Rolodex of who that would be without, uh, you know, without hitting somebody that they have, but anybody come to mind uh, that, that you guys would want to hear. I can't think of anybody who we haven't heard
2: from. Um, do you guys have, I mean, you're, you're Ryan, would you want to hear
0: Marco Killingsworth give a, a, a oral no, history of the, of the dunk? I, I don't think that'd be fun, on.
2: but I, I'd like to hear Marshall Strickland. I liked him a lot when I was in school. I got to, I got to interview Marshall a few times and he was an interesting dude. Cause he was really smart. And this is just obvious. I'm looking at my own fandom and the people I haven't heard interviewed. Um, Marshall was an incredibly intelligent guy who was, I think he was pre-med or pre-law, and I think he's a dentist now, if I'm not getting that incorrect.
0: Think, I'm pretty sure you're right about the, the dentist. Yeah, and, I don't remember the other stuff, but yeah.
2: Inc- incredibly smart guy and really cerebral. And and his career at IU was a bit derailed by playing with Bracy Wright the first three years. He was kind of pushed to the side and forced to play point guard when he was really a shooting guard. And then his senior year, they brought in Earl Calloway and uh, Monroe. I don't remember his name. Uh, and they moved... Marshall to, to shooting guard. And he played so much better because he's finally comfortable. But that was a guy who sacrificed for the better of the team by letting Bracy Wright essentially play shooting guard while he was playing point guard and sat by while all of that was going on, never complained and was sort of a square peg in a round hole. And then he finally played shooting guard and had a great senior year and was a leader in all those things. I really liked Marshall a lot. I would be interested to hear just about his life, how he's doing now you know all that stuff. How he made the transition from from basketball to dentistry. Um, that would be interesting for me. And that's just again from my 20 years as a, as an IU fan. That's one guy I haven't really heard about. Well, the hysterics have you know cleaned out the locker of all the of all the other guys. Coach, what about
0: you.
1: Even though they they have, I, I will throw this uh, a curveball. Answer is. What kind of topics do you want to listen to? the hysterics do a good job of bringing back how did you get started through high school and in college and the recruiting and what was your favorite memory that's awesome stuff and we We really enjoy that for me as a high school coach. I want to talk to some of the players who maybe weren 't the best on their particular teams but had a role as a point guard or a leadership and really talk basketball and pick their minds about. What does it take in practice what, what's the locker room atmosphere like how did you watch film um, and maybe you know that that's not for a lot of fans but for for some of us that technical detail how do you fix a shot and and for me there's a lot of former players that were coaches Keith smart has gone on to coach Randy Whitman has gone on to coach Jordan Halls runs camps I'd really love to talk to Jordan halls about his his work ethic and his uh, summer workouts Dane Fife I would love to spend like ten hours just talking to Dane Fife uh, about his toughness and then my favorite is Quinn Buck but those guys have all had some sort of leadership and toughness and, and and leading and and doing specific skills that help teams. And so maybe the format of the podcast would be a little bit different because a lot of these guys have already been been talked to in in different ways.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Jay Edwards is one that I would throw out that I'd just be curious to uh to to hear you know talk about his experience and um you know, leaving early and, and the things that he, you know, uh, you know what what it would have been like for him to be able to play with Cheney and some of those guys. So that's one I don't believe they've uh they, they've talked to at least as best I could tell. Even Jared O'Dell, if you want to go back to somebody from the uh you know from the Final Four team in the early two thousands that that hasn't been on. But uh, all right, gents, uh, I think that will do. it. We got a couple others that we can uh, we can always hold over until. Next week, when hopefully we have maybe a little bit more schedule news. I mean, the season's supposed to start soon. There's only so much longer that you can go before you announce the schedule if you're the Big Ten. So that that feels imminent at some point. So whenever that happens, we'll uh, we'll talk through that as well. But cool. Well, thanks for uh, good night, out. everybody, and uh, everybody. Thanks for joining us, taking a break from everything else going on and talking a little basketball. So.
2: Thanks for letting us do this, guys. We really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Without you guys, we can't do this, and I really
2: needed this tonight.
0: See you, chat mob.
2: Yep. All right. We'll see you.
0: All right. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot.
3: Later, guys. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California lottery the Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase Player 5.